Well, good morning. How are we doing this morning? Good. Hey, my name is Dallas, and I'm going to do our scripture reading today. Uh, it's going to be found in Genesis 16, verses 7 through 16. I'm going to read from the ESV. It says this. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave girl of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am running away from my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will so greatly multiply your offspring that they cannot be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, now you have conceived and shall bear a son. You shall call him Ishmael, for the Lord has given heed to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man with his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall live at odds with all his kin. So she named the Lord who spoke to her. You are Elroy, for she said, have I really seen God and re remained alive after seeing him? Therefore, the well was called Birlahai Roy. Pretty sure I nailed that one. <laughs> it lies between Kadesh and Bered. Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore him, Ishmael. Y'all, the scriptures are as relevant today as they were then. Uh, it's my honor to introduce our speaker today, but before I do that, uh, I'd love to just say Happy Mother's Day, and I was thinking about this yesterday. I was actually going through 1 Kings, where King Solomon just takes the throne, and he asks God. He says, God, give me wisdom. Give me discernment. And the very first situation he encounters thereafter is with these two women who claim to be the mother of this child. And Solomon is quickly able to establish who the mother is based on this word rahum we talked about a month ago, which means compassion. So it's this mother's compassion that allowed him to know and, and, and truly see who this mother was. And I, I think that God's compassion is on display through mothers and mother-like figures. So I think for us, before we move forward, I think it would also be wise for us to recognize compassion. For us to maybe spend a moment in prayer and just say, God, thank you for those mother-like figures who have extended compassion on my life. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your compassion on us. I mean, how many times does Jesus say he sees a need, he's filled with compassion, and then he acts? Compassion is in your nature. And so thank you so much for displaying that nature through so many people in our lives. Father, maybe it's a mother, maybe it's some mother-like figure. I pray uh, that we will just be filled with gratitude for those experiences that we've had from those who have extended compassion to us. We're so thankful, and we're so thankful for your compassion, most of all, as that's just a small picture of your great compassion. We love you a lot. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, instead of hearing from me, you could hear from me, I could give you a good Mother's Day message maybe, I don't know, but it'd probably be better for you guys to hear from an actual mother. So I would love to introduce our speaker today, Tara Lorenzen. Come on up to the stage. <laughs> All you. Thanks, Dallas. When I realized Dallas was going to be reading the 
scripture passage this morning. I thought it would be funny to pick one with the most difficult words that he had to pronounce this morning, but you did a pretty good job. Um, Well, good morning, and again, happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers out there. It is such a privilege to be able to bring the message this morning. Um, Thank you, Dallas and elders, for entrusting me with this opportunity this morning. It has not lost on me the gravity of this, and I am just so grateful to you all for that. It is such a joy to submit to y'all's leadership. It truly is. So thank you for this opportunity this morning. It is especially cool to get to do this this morning with my own mother in the room. And not just my mother, but my mother-in-law as well. And usually my grandmother is here every Sunday, but she had some health issues this week. So hopefully you're watching online if you are. Hi, Mamma. Um, Man, I honor you guys this morning. Thank you for the heritage of faith that you have just poured into my life and the life of my family. Your impact on me and on them has just been felt in such a huge, huge way this morning. That being said, I realize that today is not a particularly joyful day for all of us in this room. I know that there are some of you in here who desperately miss your mothers today. Maybe they don't live in the same area as you. Maybe your mother has already crossed over into glory and you would do anything for just one more Mother's Day with her. If that is you this morning, my heart goes out to you. And I'm betting that there are undoubtedly some women in this room who are in a season of waiting as you are longing to begin your own journey into motherhood. And maybe that hasn't happened for you yet. Man, whatever the circumstances are, if you find yourself in a position of longing this morning, I want you to know that God sees you and that he hears you this morning and that he longs to comfort you. And I've been praying that the message this morning would just make that abundantly clear to you. So turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 16. We're going Old Testament today. Genesis chapter 16. And then once you all find that, I want to go to the Lord in prayer just one more time. I'll give you just a second. All right, let's pray. Father, God... I thank you that your word this morning is going to remind us, it's going to teach us that you are the God who sees. It's going to remind us, Father, that you are the God who hears. But, Father, I call on you now as the God who speaks. Father, would you speak this morning? Holy Spirit, would you move in this place? Would you speak to the hearts of your people this morning? Move me out of the way, Lord. I need you. I need you. Speak loud and clear. I feel like this message may be, it may be for the one this morning. So God, whoever she is, would you speak loudly to her? And ask all these things in the name and in the power of Jesus. Amen. Genesis chapter 16. This morning I want to share a message with you all that I'm entitling, The Cost of Compromise. The Cost of Compromise. Now there are two kinds of compromises. There's a good kind of compromise. Maybe when you leave here today, you and your wife will decide on where to eat lunch today and you may compromise on that. Husbands, maybe since it's Mother's Day, you could compromise a little more than she has to. Matt, did you catch that? Um, 
after the service today. That's a good kind of compromise. But there's also a negative kind of compromise. And that's what the message is going to reference this morning. Compromising on the promises of God. Compromising on the biblical wisdom by which we live our lives. Compromising on biblical standards. So as I prepared this message, I prepared it with moms in mind as kind of my primary audience, but I really believe that, and I'm hoping that there's some things in here that are applicable to all of us. So if you aren't a mother today, I think there's going to be something in here that you can take home with you as well. So dads, singles, stay tuned in with me this morning. Genesis chapter 16 tells us the story of two women, Sarai and Hagar. Now, this is the same Sarai who would later become Sarah, who is married to Abraham. But right now, at this part in the story, God has not changed their names yet. So she is Sarai and he is Abram. I'm going to do my best to call them that this morning. But chapter 16 mostly tells us the story of Sarai and her maidservant, Hagar. Anyone in here ever watched a Lifetime original movie? Raise your hand. Right, okay, most of us have watched a Lifetime original movie. I really think a Lifetime original movie could be made based on kind of a modern-day retelling of the story of Sarai and Hagar. So if you haven't heard it or if you aren't familiar with it, I think you're going to find it very interesting this morning. And really quickly, I want to set the scene for you as to what had been going on in the life of Sarai when chapter 16 takes place. Sarai was married to Abram, and God had made a major covenant with Abram. God had asked them to uproot their lives and to go to, and I quote, a land that he would show them. That's specific, right? And then God had promised that he would make Abram's name great. God had promised that Abram would become the father of a great nation and that he would have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Y'all, in that day and age, that was about as good as it gets. That was all you could hope for. So this was great news for Abram. But as we enter into chapter 16 today, there's just one little problem. Abram and Sarai have not been able to conceive any children. They are childless, and she is barren. And at this point, they are already well past the age of childbearing years. In chapter 16, Sarai is probably about 76 years old, and Abram is about 86 years old. So they are no spring chickens, right? So this situation, it doesn't look good. And it has now been 10 whole years since the last time that the Lord assured them, that the Lord promised them they would have a child, but still no child. So Sarai, understandably, she's growing hopeless. She's growing impatient. And honestly, I bet she's growing a little bit desperate. Because if it would have been me, I would have been thinking, God made these promises to Abram, not necessarily to me. And their culture was different back then. A man could have different wives. And I think she was probably growing a little bit desperate. So let's read what happens in Genesis chapter 16. What Sarah does, Sarai, is she comes up with a little compromise. She decides to help God out a little bit. Let's read Genesis 16 verses 1 through 9 together. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant 
It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she had saw that she conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between me and you. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with Hagar, and she fled from her. Have you ever grown tired of waiting on the Lord? Like maybe you, you felt like your life was going to go this direction. You feel like the Lord assured you that this situation was going to be okay and he was going to work it out and you waited on the Lord and you waited on the Lord and then you just grew tired of waiting. And so you took things into your own hands. That's what's happened with Sarai here. And before we give her too bad of a rap, let's keep in mind that she has waited a really long time, right? She has waited so long that it now seems physically impossible for this promised child to come through her. So I'm sure in her mind, she is justified in making this compromise. And that's what usually happens when we make compromises, right? We go through all the reasons in our mind that we are justified in making this compromise. She had probably talked herself into believing that this was the only reasonable option. Because let me tell you, no woman I know wants to willingly give her husband into the embrace of another woman. We're just not made like that. So this was not her first choice. This was her last resort. She is desperate and it probably felt to her like, you know, she wasn't completely thwarting God's will. She was just helping God out. She was just making a little compromise. But here's the thing I want us to take note of this morning. Compromise always costs us something. Compromise always costs us something. What Sarai chose to do came from a place of desperation and longing and hurt. Husbands, listen up for just, just a minute. I think you're going to like what I have to say. Ready? Don't always listen to us. Please don't always do what we say. Yes, you can write that down. Um, don't always listen to us. Especially when what we are saying is coming from a place of desperation. When it's coming from a place of hurt. In those moments, see through our words. And point us back to truth. Redirect our thinking. That is what Sarai needed Abram to do, right? What Sarai was going through, it was really hard. It was really hard. And guys, sometimes we just need to, you to acknowledge that what we are going through is really difficult. She needed him to do that. She needed him to be strong and to redirect her thinking, to point her back to truth, to lovingly and kindly, those being the key words there, lovingly and kindly point her back to truth. Y'all, we, men, we are emotional creatures. Most of us ladies are emotional creatures, and that can be a great strength of ours, but it can also be a weakness of ours. Sometimes we need your help. We need your help in that because if we let our emotions allow us to compromise, compromise is going to cost us something. Sarah, I didn't know it yet, 
But this compromise she was about to make is going to end up costing her a whole lot. In fact, it's going to end up costing the whole world a whole lot. And we're going to talk more about that at the end. But moms, as we strive to parent our children with biblical wisdom in their day-to-day lives and our day-to-day lives, we need to realize that compromising on those biblical standards, compromising on that biblical wisdom is going to cost us something. And it's going to cost our children something. We may not see that cost in the moment, but it will show up later. I'm at a stage right now with my 11-year-old, and I want to kind of caveat this by saying she's absolutely precious, and she's probably our easiest child. Um, But I'm at a stage with her where I hear all the time that, well, mom, so-and-so gets to watch this, and everybody else has this, and I'm the only one who doesn't get to do such-and-such. And first of all, she's probably exaggerating. But can I be honest with you all this morning? That's not easy for me to hear. It's, it's not. It's not easy for me to hear. No one wants their child to feel ostracized. Um, and sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard for us. And there have been instances where she has been maybe left out of certain things or not in the know about certain things because she doesn't necessarily get to have or do the things that everybody else gets to have or do. And I'm not saying there's a one-size-fits-all plan for parenting because there is not. Every child is different. So there's no judgment with me here this morning. But sometimes she, she has faced the effects of, of the parenting that we have chosen, um, the standards we've chosen for her. And I'm sure it's probably easier, easy for you all to sit there and hear me say this and think, well, it's going to be better for her in the long run. You know, it's going to be better for her in the long run. And I agree with you. And that's why we're doing it. I, don't, I do agree that it will be better for her in the long run. But that does not mean that it is not still hard for Matt and I in the moment to choose not to compromise on the standards that we feel like God has set for our family. But here's the thing. God is teaching us that we get to choose our heart. We get to choose our heart wisely. Do you follow me? Like for example, Sarai, for Sarah, it would have been really hard for her to just have chosen to wait on the Lord, right? That wouldn't have been easy. It would have been really hard for her to just keep being patient and, and, and kept waiting on the Lord. That wouldn't have been easy. It would have been hard. But it will be even harder for Sarai to deal with the consequences of not waiting on the Lord. Moms, parents, it is hard for us to say no to our children regarding things that we don't think that they are necessarily ready for yet in, our li- in their lives. But it will be even harder to deal with the consequences of saying yes to the things that they are not ready for yet. Parents, it is hard at the end of a long day, a long and tiring day, to choose to spend real quality time with your children. That's not easy to do. Let's just be honest. We live in a very busy day and age. But it's going to be even harder to realize that the years just passed us right on by and we were too distracted to enjoy them. Both options are hard, but we get to choose our hard. Compromise doesn't usually happen because there is an easy path and there is a hard path. Compromise usually happens when we are choosing between two hard things. But we get to choose, right? We get to choose, and we can't choose what seems like the easier option now when it's going to be so much harder in the long run. As Christian parents, we are parenting in a world whose values and standards look drastically different than those set for us in Scripture. 
And sometimes I think we fear living to a different standard. I know I do because I don't want to appear self-righteous. I don't want to appear odd. I don't want my kids to appear appear odd. I don't want them to think that I think I'm better than somebody else. And so we, we fear holding our children, holding our families to a different standard. And we're tempted to compromise because of that, I think. I also think what Sarai and Abram did in this story with Hagar, that was culturally acceptable in that day and age. If a woman was barren, it was culturally acceptable to give your maidservant to your husband in hopes of having children through her. That was culturally acceptable. That was not mandated by scripture. That was not what God told them to do. That was not in God's rules. That was not, he was not saying do this, but culture, the culture of that day and age said it was okay. And I think that's what made it that much easier for Sarai to slip into compromise. Today, y'all, the culture is telling us so many things are okay with the way that we raise our kids, that so many things are okay, and that makes it that much easier to slip into compromise. But we have to know what this says in comparison to what the world is saying, to be able to differentiate between the two standards because they are not the same. But if we aren't in this, then it's going to be a lot harder for us to differentiate between the two. They're going to mesh together very easily. This is going to help us not to compromise. And compromise will always cost us something. But here, it doesn't just affect us. The cost of compromise doesn't just affect us. It doesn't just even affect the immediate parties to that compromise. Compromise oftentimes comes with collateral damage as well. Let's switch gears and talk about Hagar for just a second. Hagar was a slave. Hagar was a servant. Unfortunately, in that day and age, Hagar was a nobody. And when Sarai and Abram chose to compromise on the promises of God, Hagar's life was drastically affected by their compromise, right? Hagar, she was probably given to Sarah, Sarah as a slave when they traveled through Egypt. She was probably given to her. She was treated as their property She had no say in this matter whatsoever. So she's also the victim of sexual abuse here. She is a victim in the story. Make no mistake about it. She is a victim of sin, and she is a victim of someone else's compromise. She's a victim of Abram and Sarah's compromise. When we choose to compromise on the standards that God has for our lives, it doesn't just affect us. It affects our spouses It affects our families. It affects our children. It affects our friends as Christians, as believers. It affects those that that we are influencing. Compromise has collateral damage. Hagar is tossed into the embrace of Abram. And the plan works just like Sarai thought she wanted it to work. Hagar becomes pregnant. But a plan That is not God's plan, never works out like we think it should. Amen? A plan that is not God's plan, never works out like we think it should. Sin, most often, brings about more sin. Now there is this animosity between Sarai and Hagar. And now Sarai just wants to play the blame game. Blame it all on Abram. And Abram, once again, he doesn't stand up for what's right. He kind of takes a back seat from from the situation. And he willingly gives Hagar 
the mother of his unborn child, he leaves her at the mercy of Sarai, who treats her so poorly that Hagar ends up running away. Most scholars think that Hagar was either beaten or deprived of her basic needs. Whatever the case, the situation went from bad to worse for Hagar because of someone else's compromise. I know that there are some of you in here today who have been victims of someone else's compromise. Someone else lowered the standard that God had for their lives. Someone else chose not to live according to biblical wisdom that they were well aware of. And because of their choices, you ended up being discarded or mistreated. You ended up feeling lost and alone. If that's you this morning, I want you to listen closely to what happens next to Hagar. Let's finish this chapter together and read verses 7 through 16 that Dallas read for us. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the wilderness on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? We're going to come back to that in a minute. She said, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. She didn't know it was a son yet. And you shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore, the well was called Bir Laharoi. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. And Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. So Hagar runs, but God finds her. Hagar is likely headed back to Egypt. That's the route that she is on. She's headed back to Egypt, back to where she is from. She's headed back to a godless nation, a dark place. But God, he cares deeply about the victims of other people's sin. He cares deeply about the victims of other people's compromise. So he finds her. He's led her to this well in the middle of the wilderness, in the middle of her desperation, in the middle of her hopelessness. He's still providing for her. And then through this angel, he asks her, Hagar, where have you come from and where are you going? Now, the angel already knew the answer to that question, right? She wasn't telling the angel something he didn't already know. But I think he wanted Hagar to note the answer to that question. And I think he wants some of us in here to note the answer to that question this morning. Hey, where have you come from and where are you going? If you keep parenting in the same way that you are now, what's your trajectory? Where are you headed? Where are your kids headed? If you keep treating your spouse the way that you are right now, maybe with defensiveness or harsh words, what's your trajectory? Where is your family headed? Where is your marriage headed? Or even today, as the victim of somebody else's compromise, where are you headed? 
Are you going to let those, that situation, as unfortunate as it is, is it going to drive you further into the wilderness? Or can we realize that even in the wilderness, even with the effects of other people's compromises around us, that God sees us and that he hears us and that he's still speaking plans and purposes over our lives and let him walk us back out of the wilderness? The angel of the Lord tells Hagar, hey, look, God's got a plan for you. And he's got a plan for this son that you are carrying. And yes, this plan is going to have some hiccups because it has been marred by sin. But the Lord, he's able to bring beauty from ashes. And he sees you, Hagar, and he hears your cries for help. Hold on to his promises and let him pull you back out of the wilderness. Maybe this morning you're in here and divorce has left you feeling like you were just in the wilderness. Maybe divorce has left you feeling like your kids are in the wilderness. And because they've gone through this and because you've gone through this, sin and the effects of it have just marred you and your kids for the rest of their lives. And they're never going to be okay and things are never going to be the same. Or maybe this morning your child is a victim of someone else's compromise in a different way. Maybe they're the, the target of constant bullying at school or they face a disability or they just don't fit. So they spend a lot of times by themselves and alone and your worry and concern over them has brought you to this place in the wilderness over your children. I want you to know that God sees you there. He sees you there and he sees your children there and he still has a plan for them. Even with sin and the effects of sin all around, the Lord has this incredible mind-blowing way of working out the unthinkable for our good. Amen? So Hagar, this Egyptian slave from a godless nation, she encounters the Lord God, the true God. And she calls him the God who sees. I want you to notice that this is one of the only times in Scripture that a person ascribes a name to the Lord. And it was an Egyptian slave woman. And God saw fit to include it in here. Man, and Hagar, unlike Sarai, Sarai was from the people of the promise. Sarai was one of God's chosen people. Sarai was married to the man, to Abram. Sarai came from this heritage of faith. Hagar was the exact opposite of that. But unlike Sarai, Hagar is the one who chooses to go home, face the unknown circumstances, holding on tightly to the promises of God. Hagar is the one who holds on to the promises of God, not Sarai right now. Wow. That's unexpected, right? Didn't see that one coming. If you're in here today, this morning... And you don't view yourself as this godly stellar mom. Because maybe you've made some mistakes. I feel you. Maybe you've made a lot of mistakes. And you come in here and you see all these other perfect little Christian families in your mind with the great marriages. And you think their kids are the ones who are going to grow up and have these great lives. But you've made compromise after compromise that have led you to the wilderness. And so it's just not in the cards for you anymore. If that's what the enemy has you thinking, then I want to tell you today that that's just not true. That he sees you. 
He sees you and he hears you and he brought you here this morning to hear the word that he has for you because he wants you to realize that even with the sin, even with the effects of sin all around, he still has a plan for you. He still has a plan for your children. Would you let him walk you out of the wilderness? Just let him walk you right out of it, holding tightly to the promises of God. Let compromise be a thing of your past and not a thing of your future. And here's the most important thing that I want you to realize about the cost of compromise this morning. It's already been paid. The cost of compromise this morning, the mistakes I've made as a mother, the mistakes you've made as a mother or as a wife or as a husband, those compromises have already been paid for. Jesus already took the punishment for that. We don't have to walk around with that guilt and shame anymore. It's already been paid for. But it is time to stop running in the wrong direction, to let him turn us around and hold on tightly to his promises. If you're here this morning, maybe, maybe you didn't come from a heritage of faith like me. And you're like, you keep talking about all these promises. God hasn't made me any promises. What promises are you talking about? His word, it's full of them. And yes, he has. He has made you so many promises. Y'all, I cannot survive without it. I've said this to the women so many times. Have you ever tried to parent when you're hungry? Anybody else in here get hangry? Yeah, I do bad, don't I, honey? Yeah, I get really hungry, and I cannot parent when I'm hungry. It's just a bad situation. It's a recipe for disaster. Y'all, I cannot parent when I'm hungry. When my soul is hungry, when I'm feeling famished, I can't parent well. It's just not, it's not possible for me. This is my strength. It is my hope. It is my sustenance. It allows me to persevere. This is where it's at. And there are so many promises in here that God has made to you. And if you don't know some, I want to leave you with just a few this morning. Isaiah 43.2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 assures us that we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. But we have a high priest who has been tempted in all things and yet was without sin. So we, you and I, we can draw near to the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy in times of need. I don't know a mom who doesn't need that. And then 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us, promises us that we can cast all of our anxieties on him because he cares for us. And I don't know about you all, but I have a lot of those. So I need to cast those on him. Psalms 121.3. I love this one. Listen to this. It says, I lift my eyes to the heavens. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. And that doesn't just go for you. That goes for your household. And then Jeremiah 29, 11, It's one most of us probably know in here. He assures us. He promises us. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And that doesn't just go for us. That goes for our children as well. His word, it's filled with his promises. Because his promises sustain us. His promises give us strength. His promises give us hope. And they help us withstand the temptation to compromise. 
Worship team, you guys can come as I finish up. I feel like I should tell you how the story ends, right? So God ends up keeping his promise to Sarai and Abram because that is what God does. You can be sure. Without fail, he will always keep his promises. So he keeps his promise to Sarai and Abraham. And a few short years after this, they give birth to their son Isaac. The one that God has promised them. The one through whom the promise would be fulfilled. The one through whom a nation of God's people would be formed. He keeps his promise. But God also kept his promise to Hagar. And Hagar, she still had a great offspring from, from her. She, the offspring from her was multiplied greatly. But that compromise made by Sarai and Hagar, it did come with a cost. And that cost was great. The offspring of Ishmael led eventually through to the formation of the Arabic people who are still, to this day, often at odds with the offspring of Isaac, the, people, the Jewish people of Israel. Compromise, it comes with a cost. And sometimes, y'all, that cost is great. And I want us to hear that this morning and to heed that because there is nothing that the Lord would love more than to help us avoid the cost of compromise. Maybe this morning... You need to come to him and ask him for strength to help you stand against the compromises that this world would have you fall into as a parent. Maybe this morning you need to come and stand in the gap for your children and ask the Lord to help them not to fall in to compromise. Maybe as a grandparent in this room today, you see the world that your grandchildren are having to face and you just want to come and stand in the gap for your grandchildren, asking the Lord not to let them fall into compromise. Or maybe this morning, you just want to thank him. Wit chose gratitude to be our final song this morning. And I cannot think of a better song to end a Mother's Day service with than gratitude. Motherhood is one of the greatest blessings that God has given us. So maybe you just need to belt out your praises and thank the Lord for your children this morning or to thank the Lord for your mothers this morning. Man, bottom line is we have so much to be grateful for. Amen? Let's stand and sing. If you need to pray about anything, Dallas or I would love to pray with you. This altar is open. I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer one more time. God, thank you for your word. Father, I thank you that you are the God who sees. Father, I thank you that you are the God who hears. And that even in the lonely places, even in the dark places, even in the hard places of parenthood, God, that you are there with us. And that you want us to come to you for strength and for hope and for joy, Father. God, you are so, so good for us. Thank you for the gift of motherhood. Father, we praise you for that this morning. Holy are you, God. We need you now. In your name I pray. Amen.